Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Chit Chat with Ajabodo. It's your host, Inomoga. I'm sure we are having a pleasant week and a productive one at that. Well, mine has been really hectic, but we thank God. Today, I have with me a wonderful guest in the house, and let's just say I've been admiring him from a distance. Well, that's enough. Um, Like I said, I have with me a very handsome young man. A believer of the gospel i needed to specify that because we have believers of different things these days he is a graduate of architecture so it's safe to attach architect to his name he's an idea consultant and the author of one of the books you don't want to skip reading titled the believers anointing it is my pleasure to introduce to you mr david isaac Arinze. it's an honor to have you sir thank you very much I'm itching to tell you all how I came across this young man without him knowing, of course, but I'll just keep the gist. So, Mr. David, I've mentioned a whole lot about you, and I feel like I've not done justice to that introduction. So, please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. If you if you feel you haven't done justice to the invitation to the introduction, I think I'll just say one or two things. My name is David Isaac Arundi, as you have heard. Um, I'm an architect by profession, but majorly I usually introduce myself as an author. I I'm a published author and I've been writing for about 17 years now. Oh wow. Uh, so it's it's been it's been a wonderful journey. Although I just have two published books, but more are still on the way. I enjoy, you know, passing information about things and concepts that can help people grow. In fact, that's my major. That's what I feel is my major assignment to pass across information that helps people develop themselves personally. So that's it. That's really nice. I already noticed that from your episodes. I was feeding myself with them already. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I have followed you closely without your notice. And one thing I can say is that you are a believer of the gospel. I mean, you are one of the many people, or should I say, few people in this generation who still value God and understand that the gospel must be shared abroad the hearts of men. And in all I've said, here is where my, or our topic of discussion is coming from. So I was in a taxi coming back from work one random day, and I listened to passengers talk about how a lot of creatives are believers. So ranging from models, photographers, um, even architects, I mean, graphics designers and all of that. And they were saying that a lot of creatives are believers. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that's really nice. Fantastic. But I don't know their basis of truth. Trust me. But it sprang questions in my head. And that's what I want us to talk about today. First thing first, you're on Twitter and you see the way <laughs> the world is evolving <laughs> these days. It's a terrible one at that. So the first thing I want us to talk about, okay, it's basically like 
questions that I'm going to be throwing at you. Okay. And then we'll discuss them. So, the first one is, um, as a believer or as a Christian, how much influence should your spiritual work have on your career, your finances, your family, and even your relationships? To what extent should your spiritual work influence other areas of your life? Okay. That's a that's a wonderful question. Um, at the same time, when you say to what extent is it's difficult to answer if there's no uh, how do you put it? If there's no measure to it. Okay, if we're saying it in terms of percentage, out of a hundred percent, how many how much should your spiritual life influence or impact on other areas of your life? One hundred percent out of one hundred percent. Okay, so why do I say that? It's simple because basically basically um, as human beings we should understand that we are threefold beings or we are three in one beings or triune beings okay so we are spiritual and body okay. but basically we must understand that we are spirit first exactly. that have to go and live in a body so that's the concept exactly. of our spiritual body relationship and if if um the main man or the main human being let me use the main man because when you say human you are you're already attaching the body because human actually means humus man all right so you're already attached so the main man is the inner man of the heart as the bible puts it that's the spirit and the spirit being the main man ought to be the one driving every other part of the man that's the soul and the body However, when you are not born again, your spirit is more like deactivated. Your spirit is not a living spirit. So it's a, you say it's a deactivated spirit. <laughs> Let me use that word. Your spirit, your spirit cannot actually influence the course of your life if you're not born again, if you're not believed. It's, it's usually your mind directly. It's, just, it's basically your mind. And your mind only operates by what it knows, what it learns. And what is influenced by and if you are not a believer you are only influenced by the things that are happening in your environment the things you are taught in school so let, let me just put it this way your soul is is three in one also your soul is yeah. your soul the mind the will and the emotions the mind talks about the intellectual part your will talks about okay. that's what drives you to do things and your emotions talk about how you feel and how you feel is based on what you think and all and all of that but <clears throat> The main point is, when you're not a believer, you are only controlled by your soulish realm. Which means everything you're going to be doing in your life and throughout your life will be based on information, feeling, and all okay. But when you're a believer, your spirit is now reactivated. So you now have okay. a spirit, something that can now control both your soul and in turn okay. your body. So when you are a believer you should not be living from just the soulish realm but you should be living from the spirit realm but that does not neglect the soul so now it's now you put your spirit as the priority and then it influences your soul then your soul your body all right so yeah. spiritual life when you say spirituality your spirit life your living spirit should actually be the focus of your life as a believer so it should influence your job, your relationship, your um, whatever, your finances. 
and the spirit life is actually trained okay it's actually trained the word of god so whatever your spirit knows is basically whatever god tells you so it's it's the word of god like whatever god tells you from scripture is what your spirit actually knows that's the information of your spirit so whatever you should live so however you should live as a believer should be based on what the scripture says whatever the word of god says concerning relationship that's how you should guide your relationship whatever the word of god says concerning finances that's how you should guide your finances so it's it's basically i am living big based on the word of god that's how the believer's life should be based on the word of god that it's it's quite simple i think yeah <laughs> well it feels like you you tapped into my head and you knew the next question because you have already done justice to the next question which is really? good <laughs> which is really good so um because i was really going to say this i know i am of the opinion that you're first a spirit man before any other thing yeah. so like you said the spirituality thing is really important and it's supposed to your spiritual life controls everything like i hear people say things like uh, god is not going to come and put food on my table so leave church and let me face money i'm like what where did you hear that from <laughs> yes it's good to face work and all of that but we should not forget the place of worship we should not um leave our spiritual life to be dormant because i don't know how on earth anybody would be living a life without i don't know i really do not know i don't know <laughs> i'm so today happens to be one of my bad days because i had this conversation with somebody and it didn't go down well at all like at all so well that said thank you for doing justice to that now my next question is is there a limitation to what we as christians or as believers can do let's say for example modeling can one be a believer and take half nude pictures can i be a believer and choose to avoid bribe thereby losing my job i mean what restrictions do we as believers have in the world that we live in today okay that's quite sensitive and at the same time <laughs> is uh i wouldn't say it's complicated but it, it's quite simple to answer but i don't just want to go giving a direct answer i just want to you know lay foundation before i say what i have to say first of all we must understand that as believers we're not we're not sent to the church we're not sent to fellowship we should have fellowship with one another very important but when jesus great gave the great commission i call it the great commission it's not a commission commission actually means the same thing commission it's it's we doing the same thing that christ did that's what jesus yeah. did so when he says i'm sending you out he's he's saying go and do exactly what i did and this is what yeah. i'm sending you to do he says go into all the world all the world yeah all the world and you know that phrase all the world doesn't mean uh, every country you know people say that he means go to every country and every city and every no that's not what he actually mm-hmm. meant what he meant by all the world was all the systems of the world all the systems of human influence all the systems of society go into every one of them and preach the gospel and when you say yeah. preach the gospel it's not just with your words but also preach the gospel with your life 
So when Jesus gave the great commission to the church, he gave us an instruction. He said, "Get out." That's what he he meant. Get out. Like, <laughs> come out from the church. From, come out from your fellowships. Have your fellowships, but come out from there into the world and preach the gospel. You see, the thing is, what we do as believers is that we come out from the world into the church. Okay. That's what we have been doing all this while. We just after we have lived our Monday to Saturday doing what we feel like then we now come to church on Sunday and now I want yeah. to feel like good believers we didn't miss <laughs> service in fact we came early <laughs> but that's not it what is meant to be is you are already in the church the church actually means the body of Christ you are already there that's your position you are already there so you should from the church from that knowledge from that consciousness you should go into the world so you should not lose your identity or consciousness of being a believer when you go into the world because you're going into the world for an assignment the the problem is that we are too influenced let me use that word we are too influenced by the world that we feel that we have to live as the world to live in the world jesus gave a reminder to his disciples he says you are was it no i don't think it was jesus was it jesus or paul that said it he says you are in the world but you are not of the world. Okay? So yeah. we are we are here, but we are not of here. We are of yeah. another realm. So and is actually to make other people conscious of the realm that we are of. And that's why the first ever message Jesus preached was change your mind. Change your mind because the kingdom of God or the system of God is already here. So he was saying you have to change the way you're thinking that's the meaning of repent actually the word metanoia means to change your mind he said you have to change the way you think you have to change the way you view god you have to change your concepts of god because there is a system that has been reintroduced and that's the system of god as a believer you are a member of that system in fact that's the system that rules your life so you ought to introduce that system to the world and not take the system of the world and bring it to the church If you check the model prayer of Jesus Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name I I I usually call it the model living not model prayer you know when we say prayer we just think it's what we say to God prayer is more than what we say to God actually prayer is a lifestyle it's how we live our lives mm-hmm. and and you know communication is the base of every every of human experience communication and prayer that's what prayer is it's communication with god so it's the base of our spiritual experience and jesus said that this is the model of your spiritual experience our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done where on earth how it is in heaven who would make it to be done on earth as it is in heaven is it god no it's you because you are a representative of god here on earth. So whatever a believer should do should actually reflect heaven. Should reflect the kingdom where he's coming from, the system that he belongs to. So when you say what are the limitations to a believer? There's no limitation to what a believer should do or can get involved with, but there is a limitation. Let me not say a limitation, but a control or a constraint to how a believer should do it. So we should do everything as believers, all right? Like you said modeling, a believer should model because models actually 
are people that others look up to. Some people look up to models for yeah. style trends and all of that. So we should be influencers of style trends. So if we are not models, how would we influence that? Okay, so we should go into it, go into modeling, go into music, go into every field. But now, how are you doing it? That's where it's important. It's not actually what you do at the end of the day, but how you do it. So the system you should be introducing or expressing should not be the system that the world expresses. So if the world expresses modeling as pornography, that's viewing yourself as nude, as a believer, you know, you should know that okay let me not say you should know let me let me put it this way as a believer you should know that whatever you are doing has to align with the scriptures with the word of god okay so if if that which you are exposing or reflecting has no scriptural foundation then it's wrong you know some people will tell me some people usually say this to me what if i don't see this particular thing in the bible for instance like you know there's no do not go naked in the Bible. I don't think there's anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay, so it's not in the Bible. So somebody may say, okay, the Bible does not say do not go naked, so I can go naked. Yeah. But at the same time, the Bible tells you there's there's a particular statement in Scripture that I love that covers all of that. It is wisdom is profitable to direct. <laughs> okay. So as believers, the Bible tells us that Christ has become to us the wisdom and the power of God. So we should align our lives based on that wisdom. And that wisdom is Christ. So if Christ was in modeling, will Christ go nude? That's that's how you should align yourself. You know? So it's not do I have to do modeling? Yeah, you can do modeling, you can you can do anything you want to do. But the main thing is, what are you reflecting there? Are you reflecting the world or are you reflecting the gospel? Because you are meant to, your assignment is go into all the world and preach the gospel. So are you preaching the gospel with your nudity? You should ask yourself certain questions. You know, what I do most of the time, I have diaries. And in my diaries, I write basically inspirations and things I, I just want to expound upon or scriptures that I'm reading or things I'm studying. But okay. in almost every page of my diary, there are questions. I question myself because I believe that questioning is the is the foundation for true knowledge. It is only people who know that question things. Ignorant people assume things. Okay? So if okay. you are knowledgeable, you would actually question things. Look at God, for instance. God is a God of knowledge, right? You will agree that God is not ignorant of anything. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Now, from the beginning, from Genesis, when man fell, what did God say? Did God tell man, um, you have fallen, get out of the garden? <laughs> no. When God came to man to fellowship with man. He knew that man had fallen. Definitely, he's God. He knew that man had fallen. But man was hiding himself away from God. And God asked man a question. He said, why are you hiding? <laughs> he asked him a question. Then man answered, that's Adam answered. He said, I hid myself from you because I was naked. What was God's response? He said, who told you you were naked? So God was asking questions. So when you are knowledgeable, you ask questions. That's it. You keep on asking questions. And really, that's, that's what I do. I question many things. So if I have to do something, I have to question it. Does it align with the word of God? Does it align with the scripture? Because the scripture is the foundation for my living. 
So if it doesn't align, why should I do it? So that's basically, that's what I feel is the answer to that question. There's no limitation to what we can do as believers, but there's a constraint. There's a constraint. In, in fact, the Bible says it. I think 2 Corinthians 4.15 or so. It says, it is the love of God that constrains us. So we should be constrained by our love for God. We should be constrained by the life of God in us. But basically, that's it. Oh, wow. Now I feel like you're not talking to my audience anymore. I feel like you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. We learn every day. That being said, um, well, you've really done justice to my questions. And it feels like I do not have so much to ask anymore. But let me now direct my question to you. How much... In- okay let me not say how much (laughs) so you do not um narrow it down this time around okay um how would i put this question you are an architect by profession yeah you are an author and i'm sure there are other things you're doing so how has it been for you combining all of that and I'm sure your spiritual life is not suffering. I don't know. I feel like it is not suffering. But how has it been for you? Um, I'm asking these questions because I have a lot of people that are finding it difficult to strike a balance between all okay. these things. So how has it been for you, really? All right. So uh, it's it's been exciting. It's been an exciting journey. You know, like that's why I was I was careful enough to lay foundation from the beginning that as believers our life whatever we do has to be based on the word of god right yeah so basically for me what i do is i live a very simple life so that i don't get complicated at the end of the day (laughs) because there are many things to do there are many things we are chasing after and that's the truth because we are human beings there are many things to chase after there's money to chase after there's better life you know there, there are many things to chase after but at the end of the day you're meant to ask yourself that's why i said i question myself a lot you meant to ask yourself questions whatever you are pursuing does it align with your purpose and when i say purpose people's heads usually turn like purpose 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 what's my purpose what's my purpose very it's actually very simple to answer but let's not go there i make sure i align my life whatever i'm doing to a certain purpose so it doesn't get complicated so if i am doing architecture the architecture must fit my purpose if i'm writing it must fit my purpose so whatever i'm doing i'm doing it for a purpose there's a reason one reason there must be a one reason in your life why you are doing all that you are doing and everything you are doing must fit that reason, must fit that purpose. Jesus did quite a lot of stuff. Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was, um, what was Jesus again? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was a miracle worker. Yeah, that was that was like a profession in his days because they mentioned well. some miracle workers. Some people used it to make money during the days of Jesus. So he was a miracle worker. He was a teacher. He was a carpenter. And but all Jesus was doing, he was doing it for one purpose. Paul was a lawyer, right? 
and yes. he was also a builder he was into the construction industry and in fact when paul i think went to ephesus i think it was ephesus he met aquila and priscilla and he did not meet them as believers like when he got there he was not meeting them like i'm meeting believers he met yeah. them because they were tent makers all of them were doing the same profession so he met them as co-professionals it was after communicating with them that he discovered that these people even knew the scriptures like they were great teachers and he even gave one of his converts um what was his name again that very eloquent speaker um, i've forgotten his name he gave him to Aquila and Priscilla for them to teach him the word. So it's he 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 did not neglect his profession because he was an apostle. All right, he used his profession to even direct his message more. So when he got into places, he knew how to relate to people as a professional. He knew how to relate to people as a lawyer. You know, when when um he was to meet with Caesar. He asked that he defend himself before Caesar because he was a lawyer, so he could defend himself by himself. So he used it to preach the gospel. In fact, Festus, when he was defending himself before Festus, Festus was like, "What you are like? You are running mad. Like <laughs> you are just saying things that are too complicated for us to understand." And he made a statement. He said, "You almost converted me." Even Caesar said the same thing that Paul almost converted them to being believers. Because he was able to argue his case, so he used his profession for his purpose. So whatever you are doing, the main thing is know your purpose, know why you are on earth, and use everything to fulfill that purpose, so it doesn't distract you. And when you are fulfilling your purpose, you will understand that the core factor of your purpose is your work with God. So if if, it, if what you are doing does if what you're doing is affecting your work with God and it's definitely affecting your purpose. Definitely affecting your purpose. You should, the, the thing is, <clears throat> the essence of our existence yeah. is encapsulated in our humanity, meaning that we are human beings, all right? We should not forget okay. that we are human beings. And whether we are believers or we are unbelievers, everybody is a human being. The common yeah. thing with all of us is that we are human beings in fact i usually say that god only knows one race and it's not caucasian it's not african it's not hispanic the only race god god knows is human race because that's the race he created so we are all human beings no matter the color of our skin or anything or our belief system we're all human beings and the essence of our existence is en- is encapsulated in the fact that we are human beings so the reason why we are an earth has to fit a human purpose so you know, I was asking somebody, what do you think your purpose is as a believer? And the person said, as a believer, our purpose is to make heaven. And I was like, how can that be your what? purpose? What? How can that be your purpose? Because if that is your purpose, then when you said, I believe in Jesus, I believe in his death and resurrection, and became saved, they, God could have taken you. Was done. Yeah, God could have taken you. Like, why did, why why are you still on earth? So are you telling me that the people who are not believers can't even live a life of purpose or a purposeful life. They can because there's a human purpose for why you're on earth. There's a contribution. There's a quarter that you have to contribute to the cause of humanity. And that's why God brought you. All right. So now you must understand that your the essence of your existence is encapsulated in your humanity and not your spirituality, actually. But however, you must understand that your spirituality is what gives purpose to your humanity. 
So <laughs> that that sounds so philosophical. But, but really, let me, yes. <laughs> let, <laughs> let me explain it. Right, it's simple to understand. We are on Earth because we are human beings. In fact, the day that your body chooses not to house you anymore is the day you leave the Earth. Okay. So definitely, you are a human being to fulfill a human purpose, not a spiritual purpose. Actually, a human purpose, whatever it is. You know, when um, your purpose is not actually your profession. Okay, that it should not be mistaken. You know, people usually ask me, so what if I'm a doctor or what if I am doing tailoring? Does it mean I'm? Doesn't mean my purpose in life is to become a tailor. It doesn't mean my purpose in life is to become a teacher. Doesn't mean my purpose in life is to become. No, that that can't be your purpose because the Bible repeatedly uses this phrase: whatever you do, whatever you do, it says whatever you do shall prosper. Whatever you do, do with all your might. Whatever. So God is saying you can do anything you want to do actually. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, you can actually do, but it must fit a purpose. That's why you must discover why in why actually am I on earth? What quarter am I meant to contribute to the cause of humanity? There are people who didn't believe in Jesus, but contributed a large quarter to the cause of humanity, and many believers are even thriving on the quarter that they contributed. So there's a quarter you are meant to contribute, but what makes that quarter, that what makes whatever you contribute? really essential at the end of the day is how it impacts on the spiritual lives of other people okay so if it does not if it does not impact positively on the eternity of other human beings then it did not do justice to your purpose okay because your purpose must actually influence your eternal life that's your spiritual life because the spiritual life is eternal okay so your purpose must it must actually or your spiritual life must influence your purpose. Let me put it that way. So, I don't know if I try to make it easier or even more complicated. But <laughs> I think I, I, think yeah, I tried. You tried. To pass, you I tried did. to pass across something. Yeah. Okay. You did. Yeah. Um, I would have asked this particular question, but well, it's not really related to what we are talking about, and I feel like if I ask we are going to be on that topic for a very long time long time and will not be leaving this place so i'll just skip <laughs> i'll okay. just skip um tell us a little bit about your book and what we expect to see when we purchase the book how can we also get the book what okay. the books oh and that's interesting because actually the book that's the believer's anointing right yeah Okay, yeah. That book actually basically focuses on what we're talking about today. Okay. Interestingly, it focuses on <clears throat> the life of the of a believer. Like, how should you, or not how should you, but how should you express? Let me put it. I wanted to say how should you live as a believer, but I would say how should you express the life of God that you have as a believer. That's what the book is really about. You should understand that you have been called. Because many people don't understand that they think it's only pastors that are called. No, every True. believer has been called. In fact, the Bible repeatedly tells us that. So that book reveals to you the re- the the, the re- um. Let me. Will I say the reason? Or let, let me just put it this way. Okay. So let me let me read from the book. <laughs> All right. So from the. It says in this book you will discover how you have been called and why you have been chosen by God. 
you also discover the purpose of the anointing in the life of the believer you know when we say anointing we also think it's for specific people no every single person who believes in jesus has been anointed yes the bible tells us that the clearly written scripture so you must understand okay now that you know you have been anointed what is the purpose why did god anoint you why did god deposit so much inside of you so yes. the book actually reveals that and then how to operate the anointing to live in complete victory because there's one thing to know that you have been anointed then it's another thing to know how to operate that anointing because there are many gifts we have and the bible tells us that the gifts and callings of god are without repentance that means god does not his mind concerning his gifts to anybody but many people live below what god has given to them because they don't know how to use it True. so the book um, there are about eight chapters in the book the first chapter is God calls second chapter is God feels third chapter is God anoints the fourth chapter is Christ's anointing so you have to understand Christ's anointing because we are now members of Christ so whatever Christ had we also have Christ is our head we are his body and yeah. the body can't be separated from the head the body is the head and the head is the body <laughs> so it's together <laughs> we must understand Christ's anointing then the purpose of the anointing then chapter 6 I like chapter 6 so much and I made sure it was there in fact I wanted to make chapter 6 a book on its own but I just tried to summarize it into this book it is the anointing in the marketplace now when hmm. I say marketplace I'm, I'm talking about anything outside the church it's called marketplace anything outside the church so how do you use the anointing because when you talk about anointing people think of falling down healing the sick <laughs> Yeah, I, it's it's all part of it. It's all part of it. But how do you now package that falling down <laughs> in the work in your workplace? Imagine in your workplace people falling down because of the anointing. But that you know that that does not that does not apply. But there's a there's a purpose of the anointing in your workplace. How do you reflect or yeah? How do you reflect the anointing in your workplace? How do you reflect the anointing in your school in your business? You know, that's it. So that chapter actually works on that. Then there's operating the anointing. It's telling you how to work the anointing. And the final chapter is work out what you have. Just give you simple principles on how to make this thing work. Really, this book came out of... Okay, when I was seven, when I was doing my youth service. Yeah. I um, also did another service. <laughs> now, the service I did was I was in a church and I became the assistant pastor of the church. So I was in pastoral service while I was doing my youth service, and I was, and in my youth service, I was not just doing any kind of work. I was working as an architect from Monday to Friday, sometimes Saturday. So, and I was doing that, and I was the assistant pastor of the church. So, in fact, it was it was a whole package altogether. And during during that experience, I met several people, and uh, I discovered that many believers are not aware of the fact that they are anointed. That whatever their pastor can do, they can actually they do. They can actually do, yeah. But, but the whole idea is because they are only seeing their pastor doing it in church. So they think it's only limited to church. And because they are not the ones on the pulpit, then mm-hmm. they don't believe that you can do it. But you are on a pulpit wherever you are. In your office, you are on a pulpit. In your shop, you are on a pulpit. In your classroom, you are on a pulpit. So how do i use my pulpit in a way that i don't look awkward let me put it that way that's that's what people were actually struggling with because i preached these things over and over again 
during that period because I, I, I was privileged enough to be preaching sometimes in the church. So when I preach these kind of messages, people come to meet me and ask me questions and questions and questions and questions. So I just said, okay, why not just put this quest- these answers I'm giving these people together into a book? And that was actually yeah. what brought on the book. Yeah, so it was, it was after my service here, I wrote the book. So that's really what it's about. No, I'm itching to get the book. Like, I want to have a hold on the book. But that okay, will so be later. The, the book is available on, on basically, it's available on many platforms, many platforms on Amazon, on eBay, on uh, the publishers of the book is Westbow Press. It's also on their website. It's, it's basically on any international bookstore, Barnes & Noble, International bookstores is everywhere. International bookstores online, it's there. If you search it on Google, if you search the book on Google, you'll find the Google page for the book. So from the Google page, you can also see buy or get book. And if you click on get book, you see many stores that sell the book. But in Nigeria, in Nigeria, it's not, you know, publicly available yet. But you can still get it, but it's limited in Nigeria for now. But buy... When there's there's no official launch yet, but when the official launch comes, it will be commercially available in Nigeria. But you can still get it anyway. You can still get it, but it's just like to be relatively more expensive. Let me put it that way. If you want to get it now, okay. We can get it an ebook. So if people want to get it, they can get an ebook for now. But the hard copy will be commercially available in Nigeria very soon. But if you're somewhere in a more advanced country let me put it that way <laughs> you can get it you can get the hard copy just at the snap of your finger even in south africa you can get it in almost immediately so that's it okay that's a really nice one uh let's end this by me asking this what's your advice to creatives out there i mean being one what do you advise upcoming creatives My advice to creatives is, you know, I, I love this, you know, we are in the age of the creatives. That's what I call our generation, the age of the creatives. Yeah. You know, the, the creatives have been given um, spotlight in this generation. And I like it because creativity actually reflects the nature of God. Very true. So if you are a believer, you have the greatest opportunity that have ever been in the world before. All right. There, there was a time that if you were into the creative industry, there was a time in history that if you were into the creative industry where you are an serious child. Very true. Yes. <laughs> if you wanted to sing, if you wanted to act, if you wanted to, you know, write or draw, if that, if that, if that's what you wanted to do, create content, they'll tell you you are an serious child. You don't know what to do with your life. <laughs> but, but now that they have put the spotlight on creativity, in fact, one of the most prominent master's degree you can study in the world in this century is mfa master of fine art in fact masters of fine art is, a, is equivalent to any phd and if you have it you are you are a heart cake actually so creativity has become the focus of our world today and if you are into the creative industry you have the greatest advantage to actually preach the gospel because you are actually reflecting the nature of god so why not just do it? It's very, it, it, it has even become simple to preach the gospel now. 
because you can do it in a very creative way yeah that does not that does not put a religious you know quote to it you know when when you put religion religion to to things it turns people off in fact religion turns me off too but when you when you reflect god in his nature god's nature is not religion god's nature is not religious at all god's nature is love and that's that's it so when you reflect god's nature into what you are doing it makes makes it easy it makes it easy so that's it so just reflect god you're already acting like god you're creating stuff so why not make it easy for yourself by preaching the gospel through what you do and you know letting heaven come down <laughs> okay well i want to say a very big thank you to you for honoring our invitation I would say our because I have listeners, so our invitation. <laughs> I am really grateful. I had a wonderful time, and I'm sure they are going to have a wonderful time when they listen to this episode. And I don't know. Thank you, thank you, really, once again. And I hope you, yeah. I would get the chance to bring you back here to speak to us once more. Definitely, you can anytime. Yes. It was an honor oh, having you. Thank you. Thank okay, you one more thing. Having me. One more okay. thing. Please tell us your um your the name of your podcast. Okay, the name of my podcast is Dime, and the meaning of Dime is David Isaac Mentoring Experience. Okay. So yeah, so it's it's also available on Anchor, and you can also listen to it on Spotify and. You know, I, I enjoy it when people give me feedback on my podcast. Like, there are many people that give me feedback on my podcast. People have messaged me online telling me they listen to my podcast from different countries, from UK, yeah. from Ireland, from India. And it has, been, it, it has been amazing. In fact, that's what even keeps me going. Do going, I, I yes. Been, I have been slack in some ways of recent, but I guess it's, it's still there. The information is still there. So you can, all, you can just listen to whatever has been done. More still coming anyway. Okay. That's the name. Dime. Alright, thank you so much. Alright. Thank you for having me.